0: Hello, I'm Dr Roger Dennett, dental legal consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, we will be discussing techniques to build trust with patients, and we will get to meet a very doubtful patient, Mr. Thomas, and his new dentist, Dr. Lotta. A classic study in healthcare research shows that good communication between dentists and patients can lead to less post-operative pain, less medication, and an earlier recovery, It is often said that patients are more likely to comply with recommended treatment if they have a strong respect for the dentist and staff. Patients who have a solid and respectful professional relationship with the dental providers are likely to remember and follow instructions as well as refer other patients and pay their bills. Patients who attend a dentist for the very first time as an emergency patient, often in pain, are more likely to be dissatisfied and make a complaint. The reason is that with the emergency situation often demanding immediate treatment, there is little if any time to establish a solid rapport and trust. Without trust being established, the patient may feel adrift in a sea of uncertainty, and as a result problems can arise. Diagnosing the physical condition is but a part of the whole process, But how does one discover the patient's true concerns, values, and fears? The answer, of course, lies in effective communication. Open communication is a key to a full assessment of the patient, and patient assessment is the key to good treatment planning. By encouraging patients to talk to you, you can build trust and rapport and reduce patient anxiety. Encouraging communication is the first key in building trust and rapport. Dental teams across Australia report the most difficult questions facing them in communicating effectively with patients. The questions can be said to fall into the following categories. Number one, trust. Can I trust you? Number two, safety. Am I safe here? Number three, motivation. Well, is the treatment worth it? Number four, cost. Why does it cost so much? Number five, Perception. Why do you have that policy? By far the biggest issues of these is trust. For only when you understand the patient's perspective can you build a positive relationship. Only when you understand the patient's needs can you recommend appropriate treatment. Only when you know the patient's desires for care can you succeed in case acceptance. Open communication is a key to a full assessment of the patient, and patient assessment is the key to good treatment planning. By encouraging your patients to talk to you, you can build trust and rapport and reduce patient anxiety. Thus, encouraging communication is the first key to building trust and rapport. Let's touch base now with Dr. Lotta, an experienced dentist.
1: One of my mentors used to say that people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. When I was researching patient communications, I came across one study that amazed me. It said that patients commonly accept a dentist's recommendation for care not because they understand the treatment, but because they felt understood by the dentist. I have always encouraged new patients to talk, and in most cases, we set up an interview for them with me. At these interviews, I encourage the patient to talk and I try to practice effective listening. The benefit for me is that I can discover their true dental needs and preferences. It allows me to clarify their understanding of dental problems, their dental IQ, and it builds trust in the dentist-patient relationship. We set some guidelines at the interview, which I find reduces patient anxiety and minimizes the number of missed appointments going forward. A young dentist recently asked me how I managed to listen effectively to my patients' concerns. Well, for a start, I find it helps to stop talking. Of course, it is far more complex than that, and there are certain techniques you can learn to build trust and maximise your outcomes.
0: Let's meet a patient, Mr Thomas, a new patient interviewed by the dentist, Dr Lotta.
2: I'd been referred to Dr Lotta by a friend of mine some years ago, but I never went to see her until the dentist I had been with refused to see me. He even said that I should find a new dental home, as he felt that he could no longer provide me with the treatment that met my standards. I have to say, I was very surprised and more than a little put out. I didn't realise dentists could refuse to treat people. At this point, my friend reminded me of her previous recommendation, and so it was that I went to meet Dr Lotter. Dr. Lotta was unlike any other dentist I had ever seen. I had to say that when I saw her for the first time, I was at a low point in my life and I had lost confidence in dentists and the dental profession. Dr. Lotta made an immediate and positive impression on me. She was so interested in my past dental experiences in a way that I had never encountered before.
1: It was immediately clear to me that Mr Thomas had lost faith in his previous dentist, so I knew that I would have to build up his trust. Quite the challenge, I thought. Trust in any
0: practitioner can be established in five separate areas, sometimes referred to as the five C's of trust. Number one, competence. The patient accepts your knowledge, authority, expertise and good clinical judgment. Number two, commitment. Either you convey that the patient needs the recommended treatment or, conversely, the patient suspects that you don't feel 100% sure of your recommendation. Number three, candor. Patients trust you to be straight with them and expect that you will be so that you are not hiding anything or blocking access to any important information, leaving something out from your advice. Number four, confidence. Patients perceive you as dynamic and confident. Usually communicated on a nonverbal level through good eye contact, an erect posture, and a positive but calm vocal delivery. Number five, cost fairness. Patients trust you to charge them an appropriate fee for the care they receive. So let's hear now from Mr. Thomas and Dr. Lotta.
2: On that first day, the reception area looked very professional and the staff were lovely and helpful. As I looked around, I noted that there were degrees and certificates on the wall with Dr Lotta's name on them, which wasn't a surprise as I had already looked through her website. i had already read that she taught at the university on a part-time basis, so I felt reassured that she was competent. She took me into a small interview room and said that she wanted to have a chat first. She asked me a number of questions about my past adult experiences and seemed to want to know more. She often asked me for more information so that she could understand. She maintained eye contact and smiled as I spoke. Dr. Lotta would occasionally utter a word of acknowledgement to indicate that she understood, but really just allowed me to just talk about my dental issues and feelings about my past treatment. There were no interruptions during this informal chat and I felt that her sole focus was on me and getting a better understanding of what I truly wanted. I had not had a dentist take such an interest in me before. So by the time she ushered me into the treatment room, I felt that she had some understanding of what my dental wishes were and of me, you know, as a person.
1: Mr Thomas was initially quite reserved and I had to draw him out. I persisted with open-ended questions, even when he was quiet. I assumed he was simply thinking, so I waited for his response, which always came. At one point, when he was describing his symptoms... And what he thought was going on, I interjected with, That's very perceptive. Thank you for telling me that. Please go on. He seemed emboldened by this and opened up a bit more. When I took him in to examine his mouth and make my clinical findings, he was very cooperative but still quite uneasy. I made some records, took some bite wings and intraoral images, an OPG, and performed some diagnostic investigations. I informed him that I would book another time for him to discuss my findings and recommendations.
2: Well, the day of the second appointment with Dr. Lotta, I was in a mood. I'd found out that my finances were far worse than I had previously thought, and this really covered my attitude towards Dr. Lotta. My health fund had commented to me that she was expensive, so I was ready to take this up with her.
1: Mr. Thomas seemed quite on edge the day of our second meeting. Straight up, he said, Why did my private health fund say you are expensive? He also said, that every dentist he had seen before had ripped him off and many past treatments had failed. I expressed my regret that he had had some unsuccessful experiences in the past and asked him to elaborate. He went on for a bit, for a while, but then came back down and said,
2: All that I really want is to be treated fairly and not to be cheated.
1: I acknowledged his concerns and probed this issue. He then provided me with more information as to why he felt that way. This took a little time, but you know, beginnings are delicate times and time spent at this stage is time well spent. I went over my diagnostic findings and outlined the dental issues. I know that informed consent is all about presenting a balanced message, a two-sided message, benefits versus risks for the treatment options being considered. Some of my clinical findings correlated with his symptoms, which isn't always the case. I had taken some images and we went over these. I felt that he was actively engaged in the process and that we were achieving a state of co-diagnosis.
2: When Dr. Lotta discussed her findings and options for treatment, it made sense and addressed some of my fears. Above all, I wanted treatment that didn't fail and would have some longevity, and Dr. Lotta seemed to understand. She cited examples of other similar case histories and personal examples of cases where a patient was initially doubtful but where treatment had succeeded. I had some concerns with the money side of things, which I didn't really voice. And I asked her, do you ever recommend a second opinion? Her answer surprised me.
1: Mr. Thomas was taken aback with some aspects of the diagnosis, saying that there were some conditions that his previous dentist had not talked about or noticed. And he said to me, why didn't my previous dentist say something about the condition of my gums? I sensed that he was unsure about my competence, although he seemed to take the view that I was more competent than his previous dentist. He also asked me about getting a second opinion, and I said that I've always encouraged patients to seek a second opinion if they are unsure. He seemed relieved when I said that. But I was surprised when he then said he didn't think that would be necessary after all.
2: I did have a lingering doubt. Dr Lutter had discussed benefits and risks associated with the treatment options so much so that I wondered if she was 100% sure of her recommended treatment. So I asked her, would you have this treatment if you were me?
1: The funny thing was, one of my recommendations was for a fixed bridge and I had recently constructed a similar prosthesis for my brother, which I told him about. I also told him that I only ever recommended treatment to patients that I would want for my own family or for myself. That seemed to calm and reassure him. I thought we were about done, but then, out of the blue, he asked me about our sterilisation practices. Perhaps this related to his earlier comment that his previous dentist sometimes treated him with his mask off.
2: I asked Dr Lotta about sterilisation in the practice. She informed me that the standards they uphold met the requirements of the Dental Board of Australia and also the National Health and Medical Research Council, the bodies of experts which advise governments. I felt reassured. Dr. Lotta also mentioned that at no time while I was in the practice would her mask be removed.
0: Denial of risk doesn't work. Discussion of risk does. Suppose your preschooler tells you that there is a monster under her bed. Would you tell her, don't be silly, there are no such things as monsters? Or would you turn on the light and look for monsters together? The second approach, well, that's far more likely to lead to a quiet night of sleep for you and your little one. Patients who discuss safety concerns with their dentists are less fearful and more likely to accept dental care. By talking to your patients about real or perceived dental dangers, you can inoculate them against anxiety. Consider having brochures on risky issues available in plain view – Or write your patients about any hot issue and leave copies at the front desk for them to peruse and take
2: home. I asked Dr Lotta if x-rays were so safe, why did she and her staff leave the room before taking an (sighs) x-ray?
1: Oh dear, just when I thought we were done with the questions. My cynical side was tempted to reply that it was because the button was outside the door, but instead I replied with... Great question. You know, my staff and I take about 400 x ray films each week compared with one set of x rays every two years for a typical patient. X rays assist us to provide the benefit of early diagnosis of dental problems. Mr. Thomas accepted this explanation and he was now much more receptive to what I had to say moving on. Believe it or not, Mr Thomas subsequently became a loyal and regular patient and he almost always accepted my recommendations for treatments after that initial interview.
0: A great example of how open communication helped to build trust between dentist and patient. Perhaps this confirms what you already knew. Or perhaps there are some techniques you would like to implement in your own practice. We'd love to hear from you, so please do let us know. We do hope this content was helpful to you and thank you for listening. We look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcast and would love to hear more, please subscribe and leave us a review.